Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host and president of Mission Go. Today our text is taken from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, which say, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. We see this great contrast in this verse that we're not redeemed with corruptible things. We're redeemed with supernatural things. It's supernatural that the great God of the universe sent his only begotten son. It's supernatural that God became man and lived on this earth without sin. It's supernatural that he could die on a cross and shed his own blood for us, paying a debt we could not pay for the sins that we have committed. The anger that God has for your sin and for my sin and the sin of the world was put on Jesus Christ and he paid it all. He paid for all of it, past, present, and future. And here we have this precious blood without blemish and without spot. And because Christ made the perfect sacrifice once for all, we are redeemed by his precious blood and we have life and life more abundantly. We need to be so thankful for our Lord and Savior and the great work he did on the cross of Calvary. And since it's a debt that we cannot repay, we should live holy and righteous and pure and perfect lives here on earth to try to represent him well and try to do his work and do his will with the time left that we have here on earth. There is a name I love to hear, I love to sing his word. It sounds as music in mine ear, the sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Jesus, oh, how I love Jesus, oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me It tells me what my father hath In store for every day And though I tread a darksome path Yield sunshine all the way Oh, how I love Jesus Oh, how I love Jesus Oh, how I love because he first loved me it tells of one whose loving heart can fill my deepest woe who in each sorrow bears a part that none can bear below oh how i love jesus oh how i This is a radio edition of Global Times. Today we have in our studio Jim and Sarah Ellsmore, who have been longtime missionaries in North America. They've been planting churches in areas where the church is either closed or it's, the congregation is so small they can't support a pastor. Uh, they've been able to go in and rescue these churches and get a gospel message out. Well, Jim, why don't you tell us about your, the ministry you had there in Alaska? Uh, after two years of uh, working as substitute missionaries, 
I felt the call of God to go to uh, in Cold Bay, Alaska. But there were some things that had to be worked out. We, there was no housing. And so that meant that we would have to, uh, uh, would have to purchase a, a mobile home and have it uh, brought in. And of course, the, the devil, I know, threw all kind of curves at us so that we had a difficult time getting the mobile home in there. And then uh, the state of Alaska was a very much opposed to my being there as a missionary and to start and continue a church ministry. But uh, God overruled. And so we started that work there. Along with that, uh, as we got a church started and we did plant it there, but in the process, uh, I heard that there was a defense early warning station and they were all around Alaska at that time because of the, the radar sites because of the Cold War. And so there was about 90 men out there and I made my way out there across a, a very muddy road and God had provided a pickup truck for me that I bought from a contractor. And so I started going out to the site, the Air Force site, and started a Bible study and uh, of course, uh, as time went on, I got kicked off of it a few times because I wasn't uh, uh, really uh, the personnel. They didn't know anything about me. And, but I did was able to meet in a, a, an outbuilding where the kitchen help and all those folks lived who were civilians. But then as time went on, uh, God prevailed in his miraculous way. And uh, I was able to become an auxiliary chaplain and I was able to, to, uh, to the joy of my heart, to disciple several men uh, from the site. And at least one I know of is, is a full-time preacher. He was a missionary. And the other man that uh, I discipled, of course, he's uh, very active in the church as a deacon. And uh, there were others, but uh, we made some great, uh, some great uh, friends. And then every Sunday night at our mobile home, a home away from home for all the guys because they were there without their families. And so we provided meals and we got the community involved and we just had a great time. If we didn't have a guitar player, we sang a cappello. And, and then finally, the, uh, the time came when it was time to move on because the village that I came from, King Cove, they had a full-time pastor, missionary pastor, and uh, he had a heart attack. And so they said, well, Jim, would you come back to King Cove? And so uh, the head chaplain, the chief chaplain of the Air Force was a Southern Baptist. And of course, he came out and he had visited a few times and heard me uh, talk about uh, our work. And he said, well, you know, are you getting paid for doing this? And I said, no. He said, well, we're going we're to put you on the payroll and give you a full privilege of the Air Force site. Uh, I had... Uh, and had the chapel services on Monday. And of course, at that time, we had a Christian uh, commander. And he said that he told the officer staff, you all will be at the chapel service that uh, Reverend Ellsmore is having. And it just uh, went on and on. It was so many blessings uh, that we had there working with the men. And, and I still have contact with some of these same guys. Uh, and of course, one other blessing I had was even when the guys left, but I was able to keep in contact with them. And so we developed that work. And then of course, Sarah had a lot of illness. We had to leave the field. But in the meantime, uh, God, uh, we were inquiring about uh, 
the possibility in LR48 of uh, uh, a church planning organization. And of course, uh, I, I was uh, with IFCA for a number of years, and in their magazine, there was just just little tiny advertisement for uh, the uh, American Mission for Opening Churches. At that time, it was called the American Mission for Opening Closed Churches. And later on, we took the closed out because that wasn't what it was about. We weren't just looking at closed churches. And anyway, uh, we came home in 1980 and uh, we met with the board and we were accepted as their missionaries. And of course, uh, uh, we were in uh, Maine was our first assignment. Well, Jim, it's really been exciting to see how the Lord led in Alaska and all the open doors that you had and the great opportunities you had with military plus with the, the local folks. Thank you for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour. This month, we're offering The Life of David, which is a tremendous booklet. First of all, it has a timeline of his life. This pamphlet is pretty comprehensive. It's easy to understand, and I was really blessed by it, and it'll help our spiritual life to see how God worked in a man who was after God's own heart, even though he wasn't a perfect man, but how God used him and even used his kingship as a foreshadow of the Lord Jesus Christ coming later in time as the Messiah. And so I encourage you to get a copy of this. You can write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R7A7. Or in the United States, you can write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. And we ask that you continue to pray for this broadcast throughout this next week.
Today's message is from Reverend George Francisco and is entitled, Learning About Life. Printed copies are available upon request. Today I would like to share with you some important Bible truths about life. Learning about life is the topic. What is really important in life? What is it that brings happiness? In the U.S. there is a lot of concern about their schools. There are questions being raised about whether or not they're adequately preparing their children with the knowledge they need to be happy and successful in life. In scientific circles, concern has been expressed that man has learned to control the atom. He has come to understand and to even manipulate the very building blocks of life, the genes, but he's not been able to learn the basic laws of moral behavior that enables him to live happy and peaceful with others. In spite of all our scientific achievements, we see continued violence, wars, murder, robbery, and so forth. The Bible is one of God's great gifts to man, and its pages are filled with wisdom, revealed by a loving God and recorded by holy men through inspiration of God's Holy Spirit. Thus, the Bible can teach us lessons about life that no other book can. Some of these lessons are found in Psalm 32, a psalm of King David. The passage is entitled, A Psalm of David, a Maskell. Now, scholars tell us that Maskell is a Hebrew word meaning instruction or teaching. 
So here we find instruction about life from heaven itself, as it were, wisdom that all mankind needs to know and to experience. Let us look for a few moments then at Psalm 32. The psalm begins, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. The word blessed in this passage means happy or fulfilled. So here the Bible teaches us the basic lessons for a happy, fulfilled life. The first thing the psalmist says we need to learn is that the greatest blessings in life are spiritual, not material. If Hollywood were writing about life, they might say, blessed or happy is he who reaches the highest pinnacles of fame and who wins an Oscar. Now, I'm sure there's a certain amount of happiness in that, but Hollywood is also famous for its many broken marriages, divorce, immorality, and in some cases, suicide. They often succeed in gaining fame, but they also often fail in the basics of life. A businessman might write, blessed is the man that is successful in business and makes all kinds of money. But does that lead to real living? It was Andrew Carnegie, the American industrialist, who once said, millionaires seldom smile. The watchman examiner records a story, and I quote, a very rich man worth hundreds of millions of dollars was said to have literally starved to death. For many months before he died, he was unable to digest solid food. He gave great banquets, but he could not partake partake of the delicacies he provided for others. Although he took some pleasure in entertaining foreign princes and important personages, he himself slowly wasted away. Opulence and luxury are not necessarily the ingredients for a good life, nor can the splendors of this world become an adequate substitute for real living. While we know this, it is pitiful that in the realm of spiritual and eternal things, most souls seem to be withering away." It was Jesus who said, Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. Matthew chapter 6. The Bible teaches us then that the greatest blessings in life are spiritual, not material. These blessings have much to do first with the forgiveness of sins. For the the text says, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. God can help us to be forgiven, and only God can help us to be forgiven of our sins. And then, and only then, can we truly be blessed or happy. Now, the Bible tells us that all men have sinned. In Romans 3.23 it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And in chapter 5 and 12 it says, Wherefore is by one man, that is Adam's sin, sin entered into the world, and so death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. We see then that the lesson of the forgiveness of sins must be learned by all men everywhere if they are to be blessed or happy. The heavy burden of man's guilt must be lifted if he's ever to enjoy the life that God has planned. And God is the only one who can lift that heavy load through forgiveness. 
King David, who wrote this passage, knew much about what he wrote. He had sinned with Bathsheba, another man's wife. Then to cover his sin, he had her husband Uriah sent to the battlefront to be killed. What a terrible burden of sin and guilt he bore until he came to God for forgiveness. I wonder, are you carrying a heavy load of guilt? Then you too must come to God and to Christ and find the forgiveness of your sins. First John 1 and 9 promises us, if we confess our sins, he, that is Christ, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I hope you will come to Christ today. Then the second great lesson to learn is that forgiveness with God is not complicated. Verse 5 says, I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. This is a most remarkable thing, that although we have sinned against God and hurt his heart terribly, yet he has made a plan or a provision for our sins. In the Old Testament, a man had to bring an animal to the temple altar where the priest would kill it. The animal died in the sinner's place so that the sinner could go free. This Old Testament sacrifice pictured the true sacrifice of Christ, which was to come much later. For in John chapter 129, Jesus is called the Lamb of God, who taketh away the sins of the world. David, who struggled under the load of his guilt for some time, it seems, found a wonderful thing that when he stopped trying to cover up his sin and openly acknowledged it to God and offered the sacrifice required, he found that God was willing and able to forgive him. God's forgiveness can be found then through acknowledgement or admitting sin and not trying to make excuses or blame it on someone else. Then confessing it to God, God lifted the load of David's sin and restored joy and gladness to his life. And he went on to be a great king of Israel and a man, it says, after God's own heart. We too can have God's forgiveness through the acknowledgement and confession of our sins. Someone might say, how can sin as black as David's be forgiven just by asking for it? Well, it's because the real penalty of sin was paid by the Lord Jesus Christ, who came and died for man's sin on the cross. 1 John 2 and 2 says that Christ is the propitiation or payment for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. God himself, in Christ, paid the penalty for our sins, and now he can fully and forgive anyone and everyone who comes to him in repentance and faith. Isaiah 55 says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. If you have never sincerely asked God for the forgiveness of your sins, then I hope you will come today and do it and find the peace and joy of God's forgiveness. Then there's a third great lesson mentioned here that we must learn, and that is to have the courage to tell others of our faith. David, it says, after he sought forgiveness in verse 8, it says, I will t instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. 
David here, having experienced forgiveness, is now able to share that experience with others and to encourage them to confess their sins to God as well. There are many people who have found the inner peace of forgiveness with God, but who have not had the courage to share it with others, and so they have lost the joy that they once had and have not grown as a believer should. Remember Peter, when the crowd came to take Jesus, he followed behind in fear and apprehension. And as he warmed himself at a fire, a servant girl accused him of being a follower of Christ. But Peter denied ever knowing Jesus. Three times he had an opportunity to stand up for the Lord and share, yes, that he had been with Jesus and that he had seen the sick healed and the blind made to see and the deaf made to hear and the dead raised to life. Surely he must have been the Messiah, but he lacked that courage and failed and went out later and wept bitterly, it says. He lost the blessedness of peace and joy in his life because he failed to share what he knew of Jesus. Peter later found forgiveness, of course, and did confess Christ with great courage, helping many to find the Savior and writing two great books of the Bible. King David, too, went on from terrible failure to joyously live for God and openly share his faith with others. The Psalms record many of the uh, indications of his faith in Christ. It's very important that we do the same. To have the courage to confess Christ is to bring the assurance of salvation to your own heart and life. For Romans 10 and 9 says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. The assurance of joy and salvation is experienced when you begin to courageously share your faith with those around you. Then too, telling others of Christ can help your friends and loved ones come to know Jesus. The Samaritan woman of John chapter 4 met Jesus at the well, then returned to her city and said to her friends and acquaintances, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? John chapter 4. Now, that's a pretty simple testimony, but it had a powerful effect. For John 4.39 says, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified, He told me all that ever I did. There is no greater joy in life than to know that you have helped someone else come to find eternal life and forgiveness in the Lord Jesus. If you are a husband or father or a man or wife or young person, and have found Christ at one time, then you need to have the courage to share that with those around you, your friends and children and parents and so forth. When you find the forgiveness of God, he wants you to help others and work for his kingdom on earth by sharing the gospel with those around you. Through this, you are strengthened and you begin to grow in your spiritual life, and others are influenced by your witness as well, and the kingdom of God will be furthered. Through this passage, then, we've learned the greatest blessings in life are spiritual and not physical. We've learned, secondly, that forgiveness is free and only in Christ. And then thirdly, that when you're forgiven, we need to have courage to share the gospel and our faith with those around us. May these thoughts from Psalm 32 be a blessing and a help to you today. 
I trust that the Lord blessed you as you listen to God's word, and I trust that throughout this week you'll be able to apply these biblical truths to your own life. Here at uh, Canada's National Bible, we're really concerned about people growing in their faith, but also those who may not know Jesus personally. And of course, the gospel was very clear that all of us ascend and come short of the glory of God, which means that God's a holy God, he's a perfect God, he's a pure God, and he can't be in the presence of sin. Of course, we're all sinners. Each day, each one of us commits sin. And so that would disqualify us from being in God's presence. But God made a way. He sent the best gift that he had. Jesus Christ, the Son, was God, but he became man and lived a sinless life with the purpose of going to the cross. And on the cross, he bore our sins in his own body as he hung on the tree. He took our place. He took the hell that we deserve, the punishment that we deserve for each of our sins. He, he paid for on that cross. And he died and he rose again on the third day and he's alive today. The Bible says that we, those who receive him become the children of God. The verse that I was saved on was Acts 16.31, which says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. As a young boy of 12, I received Christ as my Savior and became a believer. And God has directed my life from that time forward. And I ask that you would do the same thing. If you would humble yourself, confess your sin, and ask Jesus to come into your life, he will do that. And he'll make you a new creature according to the word of God. Don't forget to order your copy of The Life of David. You can write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R787, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231, or you can get past broadcasts or listen to this one again on the web at www.missiongo.org. Pray for us, and if you want a copy of The Life of David, please write and we'll send you a free copy. May the good Lord bless you throughout this week.